to the Focus Series by Dental Head Start, where we focus into your favorite topics. When you've gone through so many years of dental school, the last thing you want to happen is to cut your career short due to a work-related health issue. You may have heard stories of dentists experiencing burnout or back pain, or you may have already experienced these things yourself. So how can you maximize your career and avoid any health-related issues that may set you back? Welcome back to the new Grab Focus series. My name is Philip Nguyen and I'm a first year graduate dentist. Today's episode is a little bit different. In the first, we are joined by Dr. Jean Wu, who is both a qualified Pilates and movement therapy instructor, as well as a practicing decade for over a decade. It is her passion to pass on the benefits of Pilates and movement therapy to the wider dental community, as she believes it would make a significant contribution to the health and well-being of her colleagues. In the second half, we have Associate Professor Matt Hopcraft joining us. He is a recognized leader and expert in dental public health and advocacy. As a dentist, he has worked in the Army, private and public dental practices, as an academic at the University of Melbourne, and is presently the CEO of the Australian Dental Association Victorian branch. He is a strong advocate for improving access to care, healthy eating, and mental health in the dental profession. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I'm old enough that when I left high school, it was a direct path into dentistry. It was an undergraduate degree. I was lucky enough to be accepted into my home state university, which is Melbourne University, and had a pretty uneventful dental school experience. It was lots of fun, but we graduated in 2008, so smack bang in the middle of the recession and the financial crisis. So that was an interesting time, but it makes you a lot more resilient. And it actually was quite good because even though, you know, the work was a little bit slow at the beginning, it sort of allowed me to practice my skills a little bit more. So I'm looking back on it as a blessing, but at the time it was pretty stressful because, you know, you sort of leave uni and go, oh, you know, how's my career going to end up? But overall, it's been really, really good. I've been working as a GP ever since. I ended up sort of in the posture and ergonomics field by accident. It was more my lack of awareness of having to look after myself when I was younger that sort of led me to where I am. I sustained some fairly serious back injuries as a young dentist because I didn't really listen to my body and I didn't look after myself well enough. As part of my rehab, I ended up essentially at the physio who then on referred me after the acute management to a Pilates practitioner. And that was what really helped me with my pain and my resilience in my body. I did that for a few years before I sort of thought, you know, I really am interested in why this is helping me. You know, you turn up to a class, usually you leave your brain at the door and you just sort of do what the instructor tells you. And then you walk out and you feel better. But I guess my in my nature, I like to understand why something is happening. I ended up completing a my Pilates certif- certification through the Australian Pilates Method Association. And even that sort of didn't really satisfy my knowledge, you know, my need for more knowledge. So that's sort of how I ended up doing my PhD because it, there were questions that were more dental specific that 
couldn't really be answered that sort of I couldn't find the information on. So I thought, you know, the only real way forward if I want to find these answers is to, you know, do the research myself. So here I am, you know, about halfway through my PhD uh, at Melbourne University looking at work-related musculoskeletal disorders and hopefully spreading the word on, you know, good physical health and prevention. So when you say you had back injuries as a young dentist, was it like something specific that, that you were diagnosed with? Like Was it like a, a bulging disc I know people get? Yes, essentially it was a disc injury. It was something that started very early. I'd say if I was being honest, it would probably first notice niggling sensations even back, way back in dental school. But you know, when you're young and you know, not really very concerned about anything other than what's going on on the day, you sort of just ignore it. So there were many days where I would come home after a long day at work and I just feel like, oh, my back's a bit sore, but you know what? I'm also really tired. So I'll just like kick back and sit back and watch TV or what have you and not move. And I guess never being very sporty, it was never part of my lifestyle to actually exercise routinely. So, you know, you just sort of give yourself, a you know, a little bit of leeway in that. And over time, the pain became a little bit more persistent, but still very manageable. It actually was quite an acute injury when it finally happened. Ironically, it wasn't at work, it was at home and I sneezed and felt my back just pop out and ended up on the floor. At this point, I was still living at home. So I had to wait for my parents to get home to literally pick me up off the floor and then, you know, get me to a physio. And they said, look, it's nothing, you know, it's, it's, yes, it will be a long-term injury, but it's nothing that hasn't been seen before. So it's unfortunately always going to be a weakness in my body, even now with all the prevention that I do. But because I'm able to manage it, I feel a lot more confident in being able to do whatever I want, essentially, just being more aware of how I can, you know, make it better. On the topic of you saying that you were not very sporty not when you were younger, <laughs> was do you think that people who are naturally or like people who are athletic or sporty or do have an active lifestyle, are they more inclined to avoid these injuries as a dentist? Or would you say that everyone is really at risk of, of, of injuring themselves? So I think it's not necessarily whether you're good at sports. It's more your lifestyle and the way that you live your life. So a lot of athletes may end up over-exercising or compensating and having coming into the work with pre-existing injuries that were related to their sport. So that puts them at a different level of risk. But in general, people who are more active on a more regular basis suffer a lot less musculoskeletal injuries and whether they're work-related or otherwise, just because movement is really good for the body. And unfortunately, lifestyles are a lot more sedentary as life goes on and especially in this day and age where there's a lot more sitting in front of desks and what have you. Having said that, even when I was younger, I certainly did not live an active lifestyle. So it didn't matter whether there were devices or not, you know, I could still read a book and not exercise. So it's more of, it's a a psychological thing as well. But the research has definitely shown that people with a moderately active lifestyle are much lower risk of developing injuries. But I think if you're on the extreme on either end, then you're at risk of injuries, but for different reasons. 
Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, no, that makes sense. Yes. If you're out and there so, running a marathon and not stretching afterwards every day, then you're probably going to end up with injuries related to yeah. the exercise, um, I think, more so than to maybe the work that you're doing. But for a lot of people, if you do a physically strenuous job like dentistry, but you don't exercise outside of it to condition your body, it leads to a different set of injuries. Yes. Yeah. yeah, And that makes sense. And so with that sort of in mind, what are the most common ways that a dentist will injure themselves? Talking about dental specific injuries, dental injuries often come from repetitive actions. So if you're doing the same motion all day, every day, almost like if you're, um, if you've got a day where it's very perio heavy or something like that, you might find you'll have more chance of having pain in your wrists and arms and what have you. There's also a lot of trauma to the body from being static in awkward positions. So if you're holding your body in a bent position that's quite awkward, for example, during a long crown prep, maybe you're using more direct vision than you should and you're sort of straining your body in positions that are not very ergonomic, that can also lead to an increased risk of injury. Having said that, even if your body is in the perfect ergonomic position but you don't move for a very long period of time, the small muscles of the body are still going to get fatigued and you will still actually end up with injuries. So it's not so much about staying still all day. It's about keeping your body in a good range of motion and, you know, not deviating, you know, extremely in one way or another. And I guess one more thing I should mention is dental clinicians often suffer from injuries from unilateral bending, which is bending only to one side. So often as clinicians will favor leaning to one side, maybe we're sort of sitting with our weight shifted onto one hip rather than the other. Or if, you know, your body is always rotated to the left or to the right, depending on, you know, your handedness or your patient's positioning. So these are things to watch out for. Now, none of these issues are serious on a individual single level. It's more if you're constantly repeating the same bad habits. If you have one patient where you really have to put yourself in a really awkward position to get it done, that's generally speaking less detrimental than someone who does that like three or four times a day, you know, all the time, and then it becomes a habit. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's actually a really interesting point because when I think of what I was sort of taught in terms of ergonomics at uni, they say you only can be in that sort of one position where, you know, it's like that, you know, your arms at sort of a 90 degree angle and your back is completely straight. But I guess, yeah, there's sort of different sort of variants into what you can do to, to maintain your, 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 your healthy sort of physical health. So I think it's important to remember that an ideal is just that. It's an ideal. It's not something that is expected to be maintained at all times because if you can only be in one position, then how are you expected to move your arms at all or your neck or anything like that? But what is important is to stay within a safe range of motion for you. So if it's uncomfortable for you to be outside of a specific range, then, you know, try and work out ways where you can maybe reposition the patient and what have you. You should always be trying to work towards the ideal, 
but it doesn't necessarily mean that if you're not doing the ideal and you feel too scared to move out of the ideal, that's not good either. You know, the body is designed to move. The spine is very a fl- very flexible part of the body. And if you actually only stay within the perfect position, you can end up losing range of motion, which in the long term is not good as well. Because if you do need to move out of that range, all of a sudden you've lost that capability. So it's more about, it's like a if, if you think of it in terms of like a car engine or something like that, you want the capacity to go fast, but that doesn't mean you should go there all the time. Uh, right. Yes. That's a good analogy. So is there a way that you can find like your safe range of motion? Like, is there some exercise that you can do to, to find that? Or is it just really what you feel comfortable in? So unfortunately, everybody is starting from a different position. So depending on your history and how well you know your body and things like that will influence what your range of motion is. So it is very important to know what the ideal positioning is so that you can use that as a baseline to test your you know your own body obviously someone who's got a his, uh, like a a history in gymnastics will have a different range of motion to someone who's like a weightlifter who doesn't exercise all of that sort of thing you can't really increase i don't believe it's safe to increase your range of motion at work. So that's something that you should probably be doing outside of work um, in your physical training exercise regime in a safe and controlled environment. But at work, you probably just want to stay within a comfortable range of motion. Basically, if it doesn't feel comfortable, you should probably not be in that position for too long. In terms of when you know that you're starting to hurt or damage your your your, your physical health, like what are the sort of key or most obvious signs to look out for? Because now I'm thinking about myself working as a new graduate dentist, and I'm thinking, are these little things just like general soreness, or is it actually me damaging my my back? So I think the main thing is to try and build your body awareness. So a lot of times when we're at work, we try and push through and we try and shut off the feelings that we have in our own bodies because we're so focused on getting the job done. And that's like quite, I think, applicable, especially when you're a new graduate, because you've got the time pressure, you've got the patient pressures, everything. There's a lot going on and your brain can only process so much. But it's actually really important, I think, after each patient or if you have like a minute in between patients or what have you to just check in with your body and see how you're feeling. So it might feel, am I feeling quite tight through my chest? Maybe I've been hunching a lot today. Am I feeling like my back is sore down, you know, the top half of my spine or the bottom half of my spine? These are things that you want to just be aware of when you're at work. Maybe you can't do anything about it in that moment, but acknowledge those feelings and acknowledge how your body is feeling. Then when you're outside of work, think about, okay, I feel like I'm really hunched today. What exercises can I do to reverse that? So essentially we're trying to rewind the effect of the day on the body. So obviously if you're in pain, you certainly should seek some sort of uh, assistance, especially if it's chronic. But if it's 
a discomfort that can be alleviated through exercise. And if you find exercises that help with your discomfort, obviously I recommend if you're not sure of what you're doing or if you haven't got the background in exercise to maybe discuss it with like a healthcare professional or like an allied health professional or to discuss it with an exercise physiologist or a Pilates instructor or, you know, someone who can give you a bit of advice on what is appropriate for your body. In my practice, I teach, uh, in my Pilates practice, I I teach dental only clients. And a lot of the issues that I see are quite universal. So often people will come to me with very tense shoulders, very um, tight across the chest from all the hunching. And, you know, there are certain exercises like shoulder releases and strengthening the oppositional muscles to the ones that you're using all day that really help to reset the body and bring it back to a neutral position. So it's really hard to say on a broad scale what everybody needs. But the first step to finding out what your body needs is to figure out what the problems are. So it's really not a not a one size fits all sort of scenario. It's definitely Mm, I guess that's the same thing for for, for for lots of different things. Like the human body is so fluid and so variant, yeah. And everybody has different, every person has different uh, like needs and their muscles are all different lengths, their joints are all different sizes. Whilst there is certain things that are very good for most people, for example, I think anyone who spends a lot of time sitting will probably want to make sure they have good core strength and they'll probably want to have very good like extension because you spend a lot of time hunched over in flexion. So those things are quite universal, I believe. Having said that, I have seen people who don't need that and need something else. So, you know, it's like any kind of statistic. It's it's only works on a macro scale. It doesn't work on an individual scale. Mm. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so you sort of started mentioning some tips of prevention or tips to sort of treat or reverse those things that we um, do every day at practice. But what are your sort of main tips um, in terms of preventing injuries and and really prolonging our career as, as dentists? Yeah, so I think that's a really, really important point. I consider exercise like flossing for the body. You know, it um, it's you got to do something every day. It's not something that you put aside and do once a week or something like that. And you can't expect someone else to do it for you. So, you know, a lot of people spend a lot of time and money getting massages, getting treatments. They are all very good, but it's actually been shown in research that passive therapies have a less long-term effect and a, a less overall benefit to the body compared to active participation. So active participation includes making sure that you're educated on what your body needs, whether that's through lectures, whether that's through doing your own research or seeking your education that way. But I think if there's one thing that I can say, it's that movement is key. Your body is designed to move. And unfortunately, even in dentistry, even though it's quite physically demanding, there's the movements are all very small. They're all very fine detail movements. You actually tend to spend your day within a small confined space, you know, and your body actually doesn't have a chance to reach and stretch and all of that sort of thing. So any way that you can incorporate a little bit of movement into your day, it only needs to be 10 minutes, maybe in the morning before you leave work. I find it's really helpful to 
do some sort of physical movement before you do a long day of sitting down. I'm very partial to Pilates. I'm a bit biased in that way, but I always try and turn my core on and make sure I've stretched what's tight before I do a day of work. For some people, it may be that you have a really long drive to work. And then from the long drive, you then end up sitting all day. So it makes it an even longer period of time. So if you can get to work a little bit earlier and go for a quick walk around the block, that helps to set your body up. Walking is a really good exercise because it's a full body exercise. It's an upright exercise and it helps to realign things provided you are, you know, walking with intention and it's not just you walking and looking at your phone. So, you know, things like that. So, or going for a quick walk at lunchtime, making sure that you find time for changes in your body positioning throughout the day so that you're using different muscles. Something as simple as writing your notes, standing up, at the computer rather than sitting down if it's available. You know, a lot of these things you are constrained by, you know, your work environment. I really like to get up and grab my patients myself from the waiting room rather than relying on my assistant because that gives me like a stretch of the legs. Or, you know, if you have the time between patients to do a quick stretch, especially if you know that you've got a really long procedure coming up stuff like that all helps. And then of course, trying to have like a dedicated time for exercise at least a couple times a week will be, I think the most beneficial thing. And, you know, there's, there's no right or wrong answer in terms of what exercise is beneficial. I really like exercises like swimming, where it's like a full, again, a full body exercise, a lot of extension work because we spend our days sort of closed down and sort of making ourselves a bit smaller. So any kind of exercise that where you have a lot of reach and a lot of stretch and allows you to, you know, move your joints in a way that's very different from how you are, you know, in your work day is going to be more beneficial. There's nothing wrong with weightlifting or anything like that, but I see a lot of people who are like, yeah, I'm just going to lift a lot of weights. But when you think about it, a lot of weightlifting is still sort of hunched over, you know, and not really letting all the joints and all the muscles of the body work to their extreme. So again, nothing wrong with weightlifting. I'm not saying that you shouldn't, but it's more, if that's what you're doing, make sure you're also doing other exercises that are, you know, more full body. And, you know, like in university these days, I think it's almost compulsory to, um, to purchase loops. Like, is that something that also is a, is in, will benefit our physical health in the long term? So I think the main thing about loops is that it's not a magic bullet. A lot of people spend a lot of time trying to find their perfect loops. And yes, there'll certainly be ones that are better for you than others. And each person is different. For me, loops are a good adjunct. They will certainly help with you finding good posture and things like that. But make sure that it is a pair that actually suits you before you buy. So definitely try before you buy as much as you can. And if you do feel like you've made a mistake, an expensive mistake, it's better to try again than to persist with something that you think is actually making your posture worse. Because you you sort of, 
you know, there's a bit of a sunk cost fallacy of I've spent thousands of dollars on this. It's meant to be so great, but what if it just doesn't work for your body? You know, it might be that something else will. So keep trying until you find something that works for you. But I, uh, I, I don't think the attitude of if I buy this pair of loops, my, all my back problems will go away is probably realistic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I've also sort of noticed uh, an increasing trend in standing dentistry um, and people always say, you know, it's better for my back and, and all, that, all, all those sorts of things. Um, is there, you know, much evidence to show that it actually is more beneficial or is it something like, you know, similar to sitting, if you're doing standing dentistry all day, it's not sort of giving you as much movement and, and that sort of thing. Exactly. So it's actually really, really interesting. I came across this very old paper that was written before the advent of four-handed dentistry when dentistry was practiced standing up. Now, it's not very scientific because it's so old, but it was just a really interesting read because the older dentists from that era still had a lot of physical problems. So I think what's really interesting and important is the alternating of the body position. So if you're standing all day, as you said, it's probably not that great either. You'll end up with more like a different set of body problems, you know, compared to someone who sits all day. So I would probably say it's good to have a mix if it's possible of some standing, some sitting, but also if you are only in one position, alternate it in between times. So it doesn't necessarily have to be like your procedure is having your body in a different way. It can be, you know, in between my um, appointment where I'm sitting, I'll stand to do my notes, but then I'll be sitting again for my next appointment. Or if I'm standing a lot, I might take five minutes in between patients to do a quick stretch or, you know, things like that. I think that would probably be more beneficial than, you know, being dogmatic about one particular body position. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> that definitely makes sense. Um, and I guess just to finish up, um, you know, we've been talking about physical health in general. Most of the people who listen to this episode are going to be finally students or newly graduated dentists. Do you have any tips for us who are about to enter the workforce or who are currently new to the workforce in terms of just like general tips, like not only just physical health, but mental health or, or just ways that we can sort of improve and prolong our career in the long term? Absolutely. So um, for all the students and new grads out there, it's a really exciting time of your life. But unfortunately, it's also a very taxing time of your career as well. It's actually been shown in research that new graduates and younger dentists are more prone to musculoskeletal injuries than older dentists. So it's a time where, you know, you will be putting your body under more strain and your body will not have found its way to adapt yet. So the first thing I will say is don't be a hero. Okay. So sometimes it can be really tempting to just to try to do everything. And if there is something that you know your body physically can't handle, maybe tra try and think about ways to minimize that as much as you can. So, for example, if you sort of are being asked to do a procedure that you think will trigger some sort of injury for you, just be upfront and say, I probably don't want to do a two-hour extraction today, <laughs> you know. Can I reschedule it for a different day or maybe there's a way around it? The other thing that is really important is to always think about prevention. And that's prevention not just of injuries that are physical, but also having great income protection 
and having good indemnity insurance and all of that sort of thing. It's really boring to think about prevention, whether it's of injuries or of other problems, but I highly recommend having the peace of mind of having good insurance so that if something did happen, you're not pushing yourself to come back sooner and that may be further jeopardizing your career. So I think a lot of anxiety can come from having that sense of, I'm not sure if I'm covered if something happens. So, you know, doing all the right things, making sure that you have a good routine, you know, it might feel like dentistry is your entire life, but it's not. And even though you're really tired after working 10 hours and you've like got like six pages of notes to write, once that's all done, make sure you make time for some prevention, you know, whether it's eating right, exercising, you know, all the boring stuff. It, it really pays to be boring. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that um, is such a good way to end this. I think there's so many things that we learn um, at university, but there's so little focus on, on our own health. And we focus so much on preventing other people's you know, dental health and, 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 and that sort of thing. But and, you know, and as soon as we graduate, we just forget about our, our, ourselves and then people get injured all the time and, and, then, and that's when we sort of realise. It's, it's much easier to, in a way, it's much easier to prevent a problem than try and rehab it. And that's coming from personal experience. Even though I have all this knowledge and I have, you know, the tools I still have to work harder than someone who maybe hasn't had a back injury just to make sure that I stay healthy. And that's a lifelong thing. So every little injury that you accumulate, whilst it's not going to be life-threatening, it does add an extra burden to the body. So the, the more you can prevent that, the better. And, you know, the other thing I can say is being consistent, which is probably the same that for it, for anything else, you know, um, it's no good going on a health kick and doing an eight week challenge and then nothing else afterwards. Um, it's really got to be like a lifestyle choice and it doesn't have to be big and dramatic. I think, especially in this day and age where everything is like more showy and, you know, you know, there's a much, much more em- emphasis on doing big grand things. Actually, uh, in my experience, slow and steady wins the race. All those tips that you've given and all the insight that you shared today has been just really, really valuable, I think. And I think a lot of people who are listening today will, will be able to sort of take away something from this episode. Uh, so just want to thank you so much for joining us on the Dental Head Start podcast. Um, and if someone, if anyone wants to reach out to you or, or find out um, a little bit more about your Pilates practice, where can people find you? The best place to find me on the interwebs would be either my website at postureandcorepilates.com.au or on social media, you can find me at Posture and Core Pilates as well. Yes. Yeah, so if you have any questions um, or any specific concerns, reach out, drop me a line. I'm usually available to answer. But if it is something more general, there are lots of tips on my uh, Instagram page as well. So have a look through, see if anything sort of makes sense for your body and you can always start there. As dentists and dental students, we all have difficult days. You may experience workplace or training demands that have a direct impact on your physical, emotional, and psychological health and well-being. This is exactly what dental practitioner support is for. It's a completely confidential and independently run service that's funded by the Dental Board of Australia in an effort to support practitioners and dental students right across the country. Sometimes people call just at the end of a long day to debrief. 
but sometimes they call because there's more challenging things going on. Dental practitioner support is there for you in these times to give proactive advice, help you improve your health and well-being before there are major concerns. We all need a helping hand sometimes and it's okay to ask for help. So if you find you need it, call 1-800-377-700 or visit the website dpsupport.org.au. They have loads of great information to get you started. So Matt, you've had quite a varied career within dentistry, or I guess a career in general. You started as a general dentist within the army. Now you do work um, within ADAVB um, as a CEO. And then you had some time as well sprinkled in there as, as a bit of a celebrity on MasterChef. But now you've sort of come to this sort of researching area within mental health. So how did you get to this position? And sort of how have you gone through your career so far? Oh, so many questions, Philip. It's um, and, and and some good ones. I mean, from a from a career perspective, you know, I mean, one of one of my things, I guess, is has has always been to do stuff that I enjoy doing. And I, you know, I sort of went from clinical practice. I fell into some research, kind of by by accident, really, just in where I was working. But it was something that really I really enjoyed, and that sort of led me into a career teaching and, and research at, at Melbourne University and something that I've been doing now for probably 20 years. And, you know, through various things, I got involved with the ADA. And so for me, and, you know, I always talk to people about, you know, what they what they want to do and where they want to go. It's about doing stuff that you love, I think. And if you enjoy it, it opens up doors and you try new things. And if it works, it's fantastic. And if it, if it doesn't, you know, then you move on to, to something else. But on the, on the mental health stuff, it's, it really came about, I think, during during the pandemic. And obviously here in, in Victoria, we suffered through the pandemic probably a little bit worse than people in, in other parts of the country, but, it, you know, it impacted everyone. And we run a, a service through the, through the Dental Association to provide free counselling support and anonymous service for our members. And I expected that there'd be a huge uptake of that service during, during those periods where we were locked down and we were under curfew and, you know, dentists weren't able to work. And it was, it was obviously really stressful for, for people who couldn't do what they wanted to do and for people who own businesses. Um, and so that I think the psychological impact, the business impact, all of those things. And yet we didn't really see an uptick in the use of those services. And it really got me wondering what was going on. So at the same time, I, I read a really interesting book on burnout by Gordon Parker, who is the guy who founded the Black Dog Institute, you know, does a lot of research into, into mental health in Australia. And so I got in contact with him and, and you know, we got to talking and decided it'd be interesting to look at some research into what was really happening with dental practitioners. And, you know, we're working our way through sort of publishing a lot of that stuff now. But what we found is that, that mental health problems are as common and, and potentially more common across our profession and when I you know talk about the dental profession it's dentists and oral health therapists and prosthetists and hygienists the, the whole team you know we found around one in ten had a diagnosis of depression one in ten had a diagnosis of anxiety disorder 25 percent suffering from burnout 60 to 70 percent with sort of really significant psychological distress and probably the most heartbreaking finding was was one in six reported thoughts of suicide in the past 12 months. And that really, you know, I think highlighted that, I mean, these are problems that exist across the community, right? We know that these are really common problems, but they're, they're really common in our profession and our, our profession is really tough. It's it's stressful. 
it's isolating, we're all perfectionists. There's a whole lot of things that, that make it really challenging for us. And, and I think that sort of led me to, you know, well, what do we do now? And, and one of the key things I think that's really important is open, honest conversations. Because I think so many people think that it's only them and that they're worried about talking about it, they're, they're worried about sharing what what problems they're going through. But we all struggle. We've all struggled over the last couple of years. We all struggle through our lives. And part, so part of, I think a big part of it is, you know, how do we normalise that, that struggle piece? And that's the thing that's going to really help everyone moving forward. So I, I know when I was studying to be a dentist, and even even now, you're at some like event or like a party and someone comes up to you and is like, Oh, you're a dentist. I've heard that like dentists have the highest rate of suicide as like as a job. So, is this a fairly true statement, or is it like a is, is it comparable compared to other healthcare professionals like doctors and vets and that sort of stuff? Yeah, well, certainly, and certainly, what our research found, and we looked at, we didn't look at suicide rates per se, and getting some of the data on that is a little bit tricky. But certainly, things around thoughts of suicide are the, the rates are. are as high or, or higher as than you would see in other health professions. You know, health professions in general tend to have higher rates of suicide. Certainly some of the research would suggest that, yeah, that, that rates in dentistry are potentially as high as they are in, in some of those other health professions. I think vets probably tend to have, have really high rates, but we see it in you know doctors and nurses and, and in dentists as well. So it's something that, that we do need to be really mindful of and, and how do we help support our, our colleagues across the profession. So what about dentistry in particular lends itself to poor mental health, would you say? Like, are there a sort of uh, like list of key things or? I think there's, there's probably a few things and, and, you know, certainly some of some of our research and some of the research into to burnout particularly suggests that perfectionism is a is a potentially key indicator. And you know, we know in dentistry that that you're either a perfectionist coming into the profession or the profession turns you into into a perfectionist. You know, so a lot of a lot of that sort of type A personality perfectionism and you know wanting to control things and so that's that's I think you know something that's inherent in all of us and something that you know we can't really change it's more about being mindful of that and trying to 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 work within that isolation professional isolation um, may play a part of it and there's there's certainly research around loneliness and and isolation as being important in mental health and it's really interesting in dentistry because you think you know you turn up to work every day and you're seeing 10 15 20 patients you're working in a team but a lot of that is really you in a room by yourself and there's conversation with a patient but but that's always you know not always easy because you know you're focusing on your work and and we do tend to be a little bit isolated from our from our colleagues and you might see talk to people in the morning and you know grab a, a quick chat over the lunch break and say bye at the end of the day but it's very different from people who work in in uh, in a hospital for example or in you know in non-health fields in offices where there's a lot more interaction with people so I think that that's that's definitely a part of it and then that you know the nature of the work that we do and, and this is where I think we see these problems in in health professions particularly around sort of the, the psychological distress or the stress component you know, we're dealing with people's health and well-being. Patients are very demanding of us. There's concerns from. There's always concerns about. You know, the regulator. What's the What's the dental board doing? You know, dentists have a reasonably high rate of complaints against us. So when you 
pull all of those things together, we're sitting in a in a in a job that is that's difficult and it's stressful, and that if we don't manage and control that and control our, our workload and control our our stress, then there's the risk of of potential you know mental health problems. You know, I, I think most dentists would go through work and then yeah, start to feel a bit of stress and all that sort of stuff. But how do you actually know or what are the things that you can look out for to, to tell that you are experiencing you know, depression and anxiety and, and need a little bit of help? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question. And I, I think some of the things, it's probably taking a step back from there too. I, I think one of the things that, that we all should be doing in general, is thinking of thinking about our health overall, and you know, I don't, I don't think you know, we, we talk a lot to our patients about about prevention and you know the things that they need to do to look after their oral health, um, but we're not always the best at doing that for our own um, for our own sort of health and well being, and that's and that's I think it's the physical health part as well as the mental health, and some of us do the physical health part okay, but we we neglect the mental health. And that there is a strong link between physical and, and mental health and well-being. So I think you know it's, there's a holistic piece in there. How do we how do we look after our health and well-being? And part of that's good nutrition and it's eating well. Part of it's about our physical health and exercise. But we also know in in the dental profession that back and neck problems and you know wrist and, and arm problems are, are prevalent. So ergonomics is really important because if you start to experience you know, back pain partway through your career, chronic pain has a has an implication for mental health as well. So looking after all of those those pieces is really important. But then sort of checking in on your mental health is is really important too. So thinking about the sorts of things that signs, I guess, that, that you might um, not be travelling so well. So things like not sleeping particularly well, I think that's always a, a bit of a, a concern. You know, if you if your mood is down, and we often see it in our colleagues more than perhaps we recognise it in ourselves, changes in appetite. If you're not just not feeling like you're enjoying things in the way that you would like to be doing, being exhausted, sort of losing your motivation, those sorts of things are, are potential signs. And I, I think in the way that we recommend to our patients, you know, you should go to the dentist every six or 12 months. You know, how many of us go to the doctor, go to our GP, have a regular GP in the way that we tell our patients, you, you, it's really good to have a regular dentist because continuity of care is so important. Do we have a GP that we go to on a regular basis and get some of those things checked out and, and talk to talk to people about how we're feeling, uh, and, which is a really challenging and difficult thing for people to do to open up. But there are, you know, and there, and there are some other things that we can do. I mean, one thing that I'd recommend that, that you listeners do is, is check out the Black Dog Institute. And on their website, they have a, a program that they designed specifically for health practitioners during the pandemic. It's called the Essential Network or, or 10. And on there, there's a couple of self, little self-assessment type quizzes. So simple little questionnaires that are, you know, validated mental health assessment type questionnaires. And they're things that are worth doing that you can check in on your own mental health and well-being, run through the checklist and you know, if through answering that, it sort of flags that, you know, maybe there's, um, maybe you're not feeling as well as you should. It then provides you with some resources, a lot of education, but also through that service too, a confidential free counselling service that, that you can use as well. And I think, you know, if, if there's one thing that I, I really want to strongly recommend to people is 
there's so many services out there to tap into them and use them. Um, you know, we, we talk a lot about there's a stigma associated with, with mental health and there is, but there shouldn't be. And we should be able to go and access these services and, and they are there. So, you know, make the most of them because at the end of the day, it's about your, your health and wellbeing. And, you know, I think we all want our, our colleagues to be, to be well and healthy and, you know, whether that's, physically well and healthy or mentally well and healthy, use the support services that are there and available. Yeah, perfect. And sending that a little bit further, is there anything that we can do or dentists in general can do to, to just in their everyday sort of day and working lives or personal lives that they can just do, I guess, sort of lower the chances of experiencing mental health and, and, and your depression and anxiety? I guess like more general things like taking regular holidays and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting that that was one of the questions that we looked at in our research too and, and we're sort of exploring that but it seems to be that people who don't take as many holidays or take holidays on a regular basis probably experience some more problems around, you know, anxiety and stress and burnout. And so, you, you know, you think about – if you think about your mental health – in the same way that you think about your physical health, you know, you can't push your body physically to an exhaustion point and then keep going because eventually something's going to, something's going to break. And, you know, for, for anyone out there who, you know, plays sport or, you know, runs or swims or cycles, or any of those sorts of things, you know, you know that you get to a point where if you push too hard, things, things start to break down. What do you do to, to, to stop that from happening? Well, you, you know, you, you regulate how much of that exercise or sport you're doing and you see professionals, you go to the physiotherapist, you do, you know, exercises. So what's the equivalent of that in, in mental health? Well, looking at, looking at your workload, um, you know, what's sustainable and, and what's not sustainable and, you know, working 40 hours a week is sustainable for a lot of people. Working 50 hours a week is sustainable for some people, but not for others. For some people, it's only 30 hours a week. So look at, at your workload and, and measure how, how you're going. But think about some of the other things that you can do. So you're right, you know, regular breaks are important, but not only during the year. I think I think during the day too, one of the things that I've, I've started doing more now this year, and you know, the more that I'm doing this research, the more I'm, you know, sort of looking in the mirror at myself and going, uh, these are all of the bad things that I've been doing over the last 30 years that I wish I'd known about 30 years ago, but consciously making an effort during the day to go outside, to, to actually get out of the workplace. And it's hard in, in Melbourne in the middle of winter when the weather's terrible, and it's probably easy to do in other parts of the country. But, you know, Take take fifteen minutes or twenty minutes in the middle of the day when you have a break, you know, to to not be seeing patients. We can't be switched on mentally all of the time, and just sit outside and enjoy whatever whatever it is outside. And it's those little micro breaks that are as important as the you know the the two week holiday overseas every year. Probably more important, I think. It's twenty twenty two a time where cloud-based software is enhancing every aspect of our lives. So why not leverage those same capabilities in something we use every day, our dental practice management software. Imagine a platform rethought from the ground up, intuitive and intelligent, using the possibility of today's technology for your patients and your business. A solution that optimizes our daily workflows, creating the edge that modern dentists need to stay competitive and connected. Principal Practice Management Software is this solution, 
efficient, intelligent, intuitive. Because it's 2022 and you expect better. Go to principal.dental to learn more. Yeah, yeah, I think that's perfect. And it's another question I had. I, I was thinking about because because a lot of the people who listen to this podcast will be either you know Fani students or or recently graduated dentists. I guess is it, would it be different for people who are more new to the profession? And what are the things that like a new grad specifically? Um, you think they can they can do to help their mental health sort of stay positive? Oh yeah, really good question too, Philip. I mean, and it's you know it's been a long time since I've been a new graduate, and things have things have changed. You know, I mean, it's it's a very different world that people are graduating into now than when I did thirty or so years ago. Um, I, I think I think so it is about being mindful of the of the pressure that's on you, and I think I I I sort of observe that one of the the real challenges for, for new graduates these days is the perceived pressure to be really good really quickly, um, and sort of partly driven I think by social media. You know, you're seeing so much dentistry that other people are doing that was just never you know available to to me twenty or thirty years ago. Um, and I think people sort of then use that as a, as a motivator, which is really good. Um, but some people also see that as, as a, as a huge burden. And so, you know, I think some, some advice to, to students and recent graduates is don't, don't spend too much time on social, you know, on looking at dentistry on social media, because for for two reasons, I think one, most people are only going to post their successes and not their failures. If you if you can find someone who posts their failures as well, definitely look at that sort of stuff because you learn you learn in in life. You probably learn more from your failures than you learn from your successes, right? So, if if someone's posting those sorts of cases, you will learn a lot from that. But but you know, sort of switch off from from the people who are only posting success after success. And then the other part is, you know, they're usually very experienced clinicians who've spent a lot of time. To get that good, and dentistry is is a is a is a journey. You know, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a you know that's a terrible sort of cliched saying. But you know, you think about and and for you know students and recent graduates, you think about that first patient that you saw, and then you think about how different and better you were the next year that you were treating patients, and then the next year, and and we get better year after year after year. Um, and everyone does that at a, at a different rate. Not everyone graduates and is is amazing at everything. And some people like endo, and some people like doing pros, and some people like perio, and they get better at those bits that they like and better quicker. So don't don't judge yourself by other people's performance, other people's progression. Judge yourself by by yourself and what's what's important for you. And I think that that's that's probably something that's that's really important for people to realise. You know, you hopefully you, you want to be in the profession for for 30 or 40 years so there's there's no there's no race to get somewhere two years out or five years out and I think the other part about that you know and I I reflect you know I haven't treated patients now for a long time but I look at the way that dentistry's practiced now and it's changed so much in in 30 years um, and will change again in the next 10 years in the next 20 in the next 30 years so it is it's always a journey and it's always you know new things coming in There's, you're always learning new things so i think people always striving should always be striving to to improve and to learn and be better and and i think once you've got that in your mind that 
what the way I'm going to be practicing dentistry in five years from now or in 10 years from now is going to be different from the way that I'm doing it now. So, you know, how do I get there? Then you're probably less focused on, you know, I have to be really good right now. Well, I found really helpful, um, especially in my first year now, is that just like debriefing and talking to people. You know, I think at university, we're surrounded by our friends, you know, basically every day. And you get to talk to people about uh, your days and, and that sort of thing so easily. But I think when you graduate, that you go to work, you finish, and then and if it's a housemate that's not dental related, you don't have that same sort of time debriefing, and then it starts to bottle up inside of you a lot, uh, a lot quicker than it does when you're at university. And so, yeah, I think that's something that I found really, really helpful. Just realizing that, and then making an active effort to 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 have chats with people after work. I think that's it, and it sort of you know it sort of sits in that mentoring space a little bit, and whether it's a a, a, you know, a sort of formal mentor or whether it is someone that you can just, you know, as you say, to, to, to sort of unwind and debrief about when things go well and when things don't go well. But I think also an interesting thing that you said there, you know, if you if you have a housemate who's, who's non-dental, I think there's also an important part there about switching off. Um, and, you know, you don't want to come home from, from work and then spend the next three hours talking about your day at work because that's just extending your time and you know if we go back to thinking about things like anxiety and and psychological distress you know i think the more that we ruminate on things that could have been um you know that potentially there's a problem so it's it's, it's finding that balance and this is this is always the problem with this isn't it it's finding the balance between you know where's the important bit of self-reflection and learning and taking something out of what what happened during the day but they're not spending too much time going over it and over it and over it again and and being able to switch off and you know move on to something else you know sit down and read a book or watch tv or go for a walk um and you know, because we we sh- we shouldn't be consumed by dentistry twenty four seven, and this is the work life balance piece, I guess, isn't it? You know, how do you how do you make sure that there's a time when you when you're switching off? Okay, I've had my debrief, and now it's time to do something else. And I guess, um, you know, I guess maybe to just to sort of summarize and finish off. Um, you know, we dentists have access to all the general support services like Lifeline and Beyond Blue. Um, you mentioned that um, that um, those are resource designs for healthcare professionals specifically, um, and then there was like the ADA counselling hotline and that sort of stuff as well. Is there anything else um, that's maybe like dental specific or um, or healthcare specific that that people can sort of access? One of the things we're actually working on some some stuff at the moment and trying to pull together a, a, a team of people to, I guess, kind of collate a lot of those resources together and, and you know potentially have something available in the new year. But yeah, I, I think the the the, the, re, the resources through the Black Dog Institute are, are really really good. There's a lot of good resources at Beyond Blue. There's a lot of good resources at Lifeline and, and those sort of crisis. Um, helplines there as well and and through the ADA um, I think getting involved in you know in uh, groups and you know obviously I'll say that through the ADA but there but there are a lot of them out there that that sort of support that that uh, is provided for people and and I think you know the most important thing is is you know if you are struggling a it's normal um, you're not alone and b reach out for help and if you see one of your colleagues struggling talk to them about it. And that's a really challenging, it's a really difficult thing to do. But, you know, ask 
are you okay? Ask the next question and, you know, are you sure? Is there something I can do to help? You know, and I think, you know, reaching out for help, reaching out to support someone are the most important things that we can do. Yeah, and that's a great way of, um, of summarising all of that together. Um, but thank you so much for, for coming along to the, the um, Dental Heads Up podcast. It's, um, yeah, such a, I guess I could, in the last few years, mental health has been something that's sort of been increasingly talked about and people are more aware of it. But I think it's always nice to to have that chat and to, be, um, and, and, and to sort of raise that awareness even more because uh, there's always going to be someone struggling that we don't know about. Um, and so, yeah, the more that we talk about it, the, 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 the more we can sort of help those people as well. Well, thanks for having um, me on, Philip. It's been great. Yeah. No worries. Um, is there a way that people can sort of reach out to you to, to find out more or um, just maybe ask a question and, and, and get in contact that way? Reach out with, to me. Um, people can, people, <laughs> I think most people know how to find me, but you know, you can email me at, at ceo at adavb.org. People can find me on social media and, you know, always happy to have a chat to people. Thank you so much for listening to the Dental Head Start podcast. I genuinely hope this is helping you become a better dentist. So if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe on your podcast player and I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to social media and share something that you've appreciated from us with one of your friends. That's how the word gets out. That's how more people gain and benefit from what we're doing. And if you're a dental student or a graduate and you want to get a head start, go to dentalheadstart.com to find everything we're doing to help dental students become great dentists.